Hello and welcome to Shark Brain Episode 5. My name is Jake Newton and thank you all for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Today on the show we've got Jesse Thomas, a fellow musician, a person of indomitable spirit, someone who is an actual inspiration to me, and I mean that in a true way. I mean, not like in a kind of um, Chicago, Peter Cetera, you're the inspiration kind of inspiration. In an actual honest-to-goodness Holy crap, they did that. That's amazing. I want to do that. How did they do that? I want to hang out with them. That kind of a thing. Jesse and I have actually toured together. We've played shows together. Uh, we've hung out together. We're, we're pretty good friends, I have to say. And after this talk, I think we're even better friends. It was a talk that just came freely. It was it moved quickly, and it, it felt really good to actually hear what I was suspicious of for a very long time about Jesse, which you will find out about her in this conversation uh, just an indomitable spirit. Something, just, I mean, when life hands her lemons, she's there trying to figure out what the best lemonade recipe is. For me, when life hands me lemons, I tend to say, well, I guess it's time to nap with these lemons and think about how I can make them kill me. That's my natural go-to. But, as we discuss in this particular conversation with Jesse, we're working on that. The Jake Newton team is getting stronger and stronger as things go. Thank you all for all the letters and all the emails and, and uh, the texts, if you know me, and the messages on Facebook. Keep them coming. I really appreciate it. A few people are curious how my wife is doing because we've been talking about all the mold remediation and all that. Well, um, we didn't have mold in the house. That's phenomenal. That's great. But it's something else. So the hunt continues to figure out what is making my wife sick. It's heavy. It's it's adult stuff. And um but we're getting better at it. Um we watched World War Z tonight and uh you know whenever you feel bad about your life just think that we could always be on the brink of thermonuclear war or biochemical war. You know things could be worse. Don't you hate when people say things could be worse? It's almost as if they just took whatever your worries were and grabbed it with their big hands and just mashed it down into the dirt and going like, yeah, this is worse. You should do worse. worse. Things could be worse. I'm not going to do that to you people. I think we're like-minded. This is a safe zone. This is a safe zone to sit and grouse and to complain or at least just vent. Hey, it's good for the soul. Venting keeps you from getting aneurysms. Anyway, let's talk about this schedule this week. If you are listening to this podcast tonight, Monday, I will be playing at Room 5 on their singer-songwriter nights. 10 o'clock tonight, Jesse Thomas, this week's guest, will be playing at 9.30. Broken Anchor, Austin Hartley Leonard's band, who was a guest a couple weeks back, will be playing September 19th in Los Angeles at El Cid. So I encourage anybody who's around to go to that. Absolutely, you can go to Broken Anchor Music to find out more. He's also got an online show on September 18th, and that's for everybody. It's online. There's no excuse. Well, other than not having internet connection, in which case, how are you listening to this show? Teach me your ways. I want to learn. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to make it a short intro this week, guys. Is that okay? I'm going to just go for it. All right. Short intro this week to Jesse Thomas and our conversation and her indomitable spirit like the great and mighty Pollyanna, but without the weird hair. Here we go. 
can actually have an, a celebrity from somebody that just made up their own stuff in their own house. Yes. Well, speaking of YouTube, that's where I've that's where I first came to know you is from your funny YouTube promos for your shows. Yes. Yeah. That, that. I I put some effort uh-huh. in. Well, that was my. I never wanted to be like that person that got famous off YouTube or anything. Like I never yeah. had like a goal like that. But I always found it is it a, a good way to like, you know, if you're gonna put your if you're gonna go for something, mm-hmm. go for it in every facet that yeah. you possibly can. So I was like, well, I have this laptop that takes video. Yeah, I'm capable of this. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one good thing about that. I had the same argument with myself about that. By the way, you can just slam dingy. You can you can move. See, it just articulates wherever you want it to go. Let me help you out. Slam dingy. Slam dingy. Get that Okay. Or wherever wherever's comfortable. So you can sit and jaw for an hour. I'm ready now. You're ready. Oh look, you're so you're so erect with your your posture. So yeah, when did you start doing the music? The the music, but the internet videos to I, start doing promo for your shows. Um, immediately. Oh. I started in acting in LA, so I was already kind of like screwing around with my camera and like learning how it works. And I wanted to see how I looked on camera anyway, so mm-hmm. I was like reading lines and just doing silly stuff like that. So I was already kind of like familiarized with it. And then when I started playing shows at like, I think Room 5 or something, I think was my first video, mm-hmm. and it was like a promo video. And I don't know what inspired me to do it necessarily. I can't pinpoint the moment, but I was like, people might think this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I got really good response. People were like, this is so funny, or yeah, I'm coming. And then they'd share it or talk about it. And I was like, well, that Mm -hmm. seems to be a good thing. So then I started doing it and I still do it. So Cool. Those of you who are listening right now, there's the dog right there. That's what's happening. In the background, Banjo won't leave Jesse alone because um, she, apparently uh, she's his spirit animal. That's sweet of you to make yeah. up an excuse for me wearing my tap shoes. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for coming in and practicing soft shoe while they're doing other things. You were always a multitasker. I'm, you know, I, I have to fit in practice time wearing. You really can. you really have to do it whenever you can. That's, yeah. At least that's what mommy says when she hangs, you know, holds that... That clothes hanger up of my head. Yes. So let's go back a bit. Where you you grew up in Kentucky. Yes. Right? Yeah, Covington. Covington. Yeah. Good memory, Jake. Let's talk about. Let's talk about that. Um. Well, I wish it was more interesting because when people hear Kentucky, they're ready to hear stories. Yeah. Moonshine and Every, the back of rusted out pickup trucks. And yeah. The whole vibe. All of it. Yeah. You know. And um. You know, I had shoes on most of the time. <laughs> and. <laughs> I, it wasn't nearly as... I'm, I'm from northern Kentucky. It's the city. It's not like the city city, but mm-hmm. it's the city of Kentucky for sure. I mean, Louisville and Lexington, but um, I'm right outside of Cincinnati. So it was like the suburbs mm-hmm. um, that any major city would have outside of it. And yeah, it was totally normal. And I definitely had some country friends. Mm-hmm. And I had a... Um, my parents owned some property down south so Cincinnati was cool because you could drive 20 minutes north and be in you know Ohio City and 20 minutes south and be like 
in the country. In the country. Yeah, like yeah. people talking like this, like real quickly. It was crazy. Mm-hmm. And not even 20 minutes probably. And um, and then when we went down to my lake house, um, my parents' lake house, I mean, we would meet the most interesting people. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that was that was what I, how I grew up. And I was always, as far as relating it to my vision or whatever it would be called then, um, I was really interested in acting and loved to entertain and loved to be in front of people and um, making people laugh for yeah. sure. You're a ham bone. Yes. Yeah. I, I get that. I had a bit of that myself. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. You're hilarious. Um, so, yeah. I just kind of like did anything I could to just... I didn't really pursue anything artistic at the time mm-hmm. other than just... I was always on like a sports team. So, any opportunity I could like stand up in front of them. Even if it was like an inspirational speech, I had to do it. Like a team building exercise, you're always all me, me, me. I'll do the trust fall. I'll, and and you did five minutes before, you know, just of, you know, your best jokes and then that. Yeah. So, like, it, was there it, was there any idea of what you would do once you once you graduated from college or once you graduated from high school? Like, as far as becoming an actor or leaving to go to New York or L.A., any mm-hmm. of those aspirational things, watching romantic comedies and going like, I could do mm-hmm. that or mm-hmm. like any of number course. of those things. Um. Yes, to a T. Um, I always wanted to move to New York, and I said I was going to do it as soon as I graduated high school. Mm. And then I ended up getting a scholarship in college, so I played sports, but I immediately wanted to move to New York, and I was so bummed that I, I didn't. But there was some point, and this is hilarious and I still think about my mindset in the or my my frame of mind. Is that the right way to say that? Yeah, frame of mind, yeah. Frame of mind. Um I was watching uh Coyote Ugly. Uh-huh. I mean Coyote Ugly. <laughs> yeah. And at the end end of it, I loved that movie yeah. so much because at the time I did a little stint as a Coyote Ugly dancer. What? Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get into that. We should Um, but I, I was, so there was a singer in it, Mm -hmm. which I wasn't a singer at the time whatsoever, but I loved to sing and she was on, on the, on the bar having a good old time. And like, I've never been like the most, you know, I always have my fun side. I see nothing wrong with a girl who wants to go have Mm -hmm. some fun on a bar and dance and sing and make some money. And it was awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, I, I liked the movie enough where I watched like the, the movie where they com the, the commentary, I guess, over oh, yeah, the yeah. top of it, the whole thing, and it was like Tyra Banks, and she said, "Yeah, if you're gonna be an actress, don't move to New York, move to L.A. Unless you have an agent, then move to New York because it's way harder and less opportunity in New York." And that was my that was enough what, for me. That was the guiding principle. That, Tyra the, Banks the, commentary. The over commentary that. over. That's a. I'm not, I'm not so sure I wouldn't have gone to New York had I not watched that commentary. I was so set on New York. Really? Because I thought that's how I got on Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Oh, my was gosh. Was moving to New York. Oh, my gosh. That's thanks, Tyra. Down, yeah, thanks, Tyra. You t- you took uh, cursory career advice from Tyra Banks via a DVD commentary. That's amazing. Like a, a giant advice. <laughs> <laughs> like, different. This is astounding. I mean, if, if you ever meet her, you have to tell her the story. You have to tell her the story. So, 
that's what that's what he, I have a story about Coyote Ugly, by the way, too. Um, uh, I, the only one time that I actually got anywhere close to it was a. Uh, um, I had played a gig in New York about two years ago, three years mm-hmm. ago, and this is uh, when I was going through a really rough patch, and I decided to drink myself to death. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I think you you caught a little bit of that. We toured on a little bit of that. That yeah. uh, we have, that's another story too. But We've both seen each other at our at our, our very lowest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I at the very end of the night, I was walking home back to my friend's house or apartment, and uh, and saw Coyote Ugly the sign, and I said, "Well, I see a movie. I should go check it out mm-hmm. at two thirty in the morning on a Tuesday." Yeah, walked in there, and they had their B team in full force. This girl oh, on yeah. like the the B-team. bar that was so waterlogged that it had started curling up at the ends. <laughs> she's dancing on it and looks just like not up to code. <laughs> she's Mm-mm. dancing. She had this huge uh, uh, appendix scar with, that has you know, I mean, like like fit people with appendix scars is one thing, but like one person where like yeah, yeah it's just. It looks spilling out in the wrong. Places. I mean, it just it just looks like a throw pillow that's been thrown too much, and <laughs> and she's spitting a, a shot into a dude's mouth, and oh, the dude just heavens. looks like like a beat up version of Buddha. <laughs> 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 so it was, and I, I had that. And it was two for one. I was going to go in for one beer, and then they gave me another one, oh, and then and you got to stay for that. So it was just the lowest of the low. It was, wow. you know, what it was like. It was like uh, the art student who got thrown into the locker room right after the football game and he had to oh. sit and wait for his parents to come pick him up in their Volvo. <laughs> That's exactly what that situation was like. Fish out of water for sure. Oh, so you didn't go to New York per Tyra Banks' advice. I did not. Yeah. And um, I kind of hung on to the idea a bit um, once the opportunity finally became available and I wasn't like going to school or anything and I was like, I'm going to move to L.A. And my mom's like, sure, you've been saying this since you're in eighth grade. Or mm-hmm. moving, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm really doing it this time, you guys. So I uh, finally just picked a date and went. But before then, I was like, I need an agent. I need a manager. Because mm-hmm. Tyra said. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how she like became that person. But um, yeah, so I... I uh, that's how I ended up in LA and I was like planning I went to some like Cincinnati actors workshops where you pay some money and uh-huh. like, get to showcase in front of the top agents and managers from across the land from across the land in, in LA was it <clears throat> no it was like they'd come in town and take all your money and mm-hmm. just like having a free excuse for them to like we'll call you yeah. it's so stupid I but understand. I did that and um because I needed to be ready mm-hmm. for LA. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand. There's a Maria Bamford. Do you know her at all? Mm. Stand-up comedian. No. She's got this uh, this bit about um, about the beautiful people and how we follow them to whatever they want to do. Like he's, She says, of course I read magazines with Jennifer Aniston on them because in a primordial sense, she is the, the best-looking monkey, the most fertile, and yeah. she's going to show me where the bananas are. <laughs> so Tyra Banks was showing you where the bananas she were. She sure was. Hey, I understand. Hey. I can't say she steered me wrong. Listen, I uh, my my decision to go to L.A. or New York was uh, 
predicated upon me trying to get into whatever college would take me, so I would have to do the least amount of work like there. Because if you think about Champion. it, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, going to college in a lot of ways uh, is pretty much just like a, a way to delay life for a good four years while you figure out like just the very basics of everything. Yes. You know? And I completely did not figure out any of those basics. Mm-hmm. I sort of just hurtled through with my head in the clouds and didn't didn't really quite... But, I mean, I ended up in L.A. I, yeah. I just as easily could have ended up in New York yeah. with just as much student loan debt. But there you just are. Just as much. Yeah, it's, it's astounding. Did you end up uh, taking care of your student loans and all that stuff? You're, you're still uh, grinding them down? Well, the, the I, I was a, a stud at, at sports, so I oh. got most of my college. Nice. Yep, so I'm good. Nice. It's a strange concept to me. I was just thinking about that the other day. It's like, hey, you know what? We want you to come and learn life skills, you know, to be able to do whatever you want. You could be a biochemical engineer. Mm-hmm. You could be a, a professor of theology, whatever you'd like to do. But in order to do that, we want you to run up and down this field a bunch. Does I that know. seem like a solid plan? I know. But, I mean, it works. And if, like, obviously you can get scholarships if you're smart, too, but... Yeah. I don't I don't know those people. No, um, they're so... They're, like... I don't think they really exist. No. I think they're made in like a, a laboratory. Yeah, I was in a play with a girl that ended up going to MIT, and she was she was a pretty good actress, but she was a much better astrophysicist. Right? I'm just gonna. I mean, like, if you of give course. me a Venn diagram of what her like positive strengths yes. and weaknesses were, I mean, pretending to be other people, not so much as you mm-hmm. know, being able to you know vector out the universe. So that's that's excellent. So you came out to LA, and when was this? What what year it about? Um, 2000, we're going to say 2008. 2008? That's that recently? Yeah. Man, you've been, you've been at, turning on the afterburners, dude. You've been... Going for it. That's right about, I mean, like 2009, I think, is when I started uh, hearing about you and hearing about the YouTube videos and you got to see this. And, you gotta, and I, I thought that you were just like a, a funny YouTuber and mm-hmm. just this happened to like maybe do a couple of funny sing songs, but it turns out you're a really deep kid who happens to also have a funny streak. And I think that's something that I kind of go like, oh, hey, samesies. Samesies. Yeah, man. They're like brothers and sisters. It's mm-hmm. it's in, 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 in the pantheon of life. That's what we are. No. So you started playing. I remember the when was the first time you started playing in L.A.? As when did you, I guess what I should rephrase that as when did you uh, when did the acting dream give way to the music dream? The, very quickly. Yeah. And I had, okay, crazy first six months in L.A. I was very depressed, miserable, and like actually depressed. The saddest I've ever been, down I've ever been, whatever. Mm-hmm. I had, I moved alone, like no friends. I had this roommate that she was cool, but like I shared a room with her, and it was like we didn't we didn't click or bond. We were just roommates, mm-hmm. and um, I knew I I didn't feel settled. I was ready to get out, <clears throat> but I was also pushing really hard to find the agent and like go. I was like doing background work, so I was up at like four a.m. Mm-hmm. and like trying to find a day job of at like anywhere. Ended up working at Panera Bread uh-huh. for like a, I think a month. Um, anyway, and I'm like hustling, hustling, hustling. But I was crushing it. Within six months of acting, I like got an agent and I got my manager mm-hmm. and I auditioned for things often and. I, I auditioned for the Jonas Brothers TV show, which I was so excited about. Because okay. right before I moved to LA, I was like obsessed with the Disney Channel. I have no idea why I was what? definitely too old for that. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I watched a lot of like Jonas Brothers, uh-huh. Hannah Montana, and 
there was another one about wizard wizards of waverly wizards place of Wa- yeah oh boy anyway and uh so and i booked a commercial crushed it right nailing it man. so i'm thinking like i'm gonna do this and i was stoked to do it mm-hmm. and then um i was as i said super like alone and bored so i played guitar when i was bored mm-hmm. and my um roommate's brother or roommate's friend came over his name is jonah and he was like yo you should play you should play for us like come down and play like you sound awesome and that became like a thing i would do and then he was like go play open mic at this bar i hang out at it was rainbow room rainbow in the rainbow room yeah over by uh on sunset boulevard yeah Yeah. yeah. he was like you should play there they do open mics and i was like okay and um i went and played like three songs Mm -hmm. two songs or something and the people at Rainbow were like, you're great, play, come play a real show. And I was like, okay, this is cool, I'm going to play a real show in the city of Los Angeles. I was mm. like, this is awesome. I'm, I'm really doing it, Mom. Really doing it. So, this was tail end of MySpace days, and I met a guy at the show, and I ended up writing his MySpace page, being like, hey, good to meet you the other night, I have a show in like a month or whatever, you should come. So, meanwhile, in another setting, this guy Jim was sent to his MySpace page to check out his music, Mm -hmm. to make a record. And he didn't like it, or didn't care to, but I happened to be like a comment on the first area or comment section and he clicked my page because he saw that I was playing so he saw I was a musician and mm-hmm. I was like a girl that had like I looked like he said I looked really interesting I actually was like classic like Jesse like kind of look homeless look and <laughs> clicked it and he was like listen to this song that I recorded on GarageBand um, and he was like wrote me on MySpace and we met for coffee and that was why I started doing music Mm -hmm. because he was like hey i like i think you're good let's make a demo and i was like i I mean it's it felt like something out of like a movie like i'm gonna make you a stock he's he's chomping on a cigar yeah yeah i mean he wasn't that cheesy but he was it felt like this is can't be real like this guy wants to actually make a demo tape Mm -hmm. i'm like i didn't even know that happened and this is jim roach jim roach yeah yeah Yeah. and so yeah we made a demo like six months later because he wanted me to write and like do all this stuff and like Mm -hmm. And I did, because I had nothing better to do, and I was really happy to have something to work on mm-hmm. It felt like a job, even though I wasn't getting paid. It just felt like I had purpose in L.A. for the first time. I was really sad. So I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this. Why the hell not? So I just, I can't, I've never probably been more dedicated to anything. Even right now, my music I'm dedicated to, but that was like a, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't don't leave the house. Write wow. all day. Get better at guitar. Yeah. I'm reading this book called uh, Turning Pro. It's by Stephen Pressfield. He's uh, written several novels, yeah. screenplays, Legend of Bagger Vance. Um, but this book that he talks about, or rather the concept of it is the moment when you become amateur to pro. And what he did, which is kind of very similar to what you did, was basically save up enough money to live for a year in a mm. rat hole cottage, sit and write all day long. And he'd pull out $25 on a Monday. This is back in the early 80s. Pull out $25 on a Monday, and that would last him the next six days, seven days, and would just write, and he took away TV, took away everything, took away sex, took away the, every every bit of the equation. And then when he ran out of money, he went up to Washington, worked the uh, apple farms, came back, wrote, 
got done with it. But that, and that book didn't even sell, but it was that moment of sitting down and going like, okay, now I have to do it. I had like, this is, this is my job. And that's something that it's very interesting that I wanted to talk to you about because for the most part in a lot of creative mindsets, If I say I'm going to do this, I will actually really do it, and mostly because I don't. I think I just am very competitive. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like not being the best, and I never get to be the best. No, really? You think that? You think that you never actually get to be the best? Of you know, course. I mean, no, no one's the best. No, no one's the best. Someone's no got to be the best, best oh. right? Someone, someone's got to jump. Someone's got to be the top of the pile of people. Well. I guess. Yeah. So you never consider... So maybe that's why you are always working because you never consider yourself to be the best. If you considered yourself to be the best, then you'd be the the prize fighter that decided to just kick back and get fat. Yeah. But I I, I strive for the best. Uh Not the best, but like just having my my day in the sun. Like Uh feeling like... If like if I'm a musician, I want to be the one that has the the perfect career. Uh And I will just... How do I get there? How do I get there? Every day, how do I get there? See, I have the same I have the same idea at the core of it, at the the germination of it. It's like I want the perfect career. I want people to look back and go like, "Oh, and then he did this and then he did this and then he did this." But it's what you do with that drive. It's what you do with that impetus. It's what you do with that little kernel of truth that you go like, "Ah, oh, maybe I can what I do with it, or at least what I've done with it in the past is going like, "Oh, well, then I want the perfect career." And then I write a song and I go like, "Well, it's not perfect." I guess I should just go and wallow in bed in the middle of the day. I got a great idea. You know what sounds wonderful? A four-hour nap. Three o'clock in the afternoon. Because nothing says the world's trying to get me like me not being absolutely perfect at this immediately. But you take that and you just strive through and you push through. And now that is something, whether it's something that you, a decision, a clear-cut decision that you've made, which seems like you, you... continually making it but there's also this natural proclivity that you kind of you know it's a natural drive to go like no no we're gonna be fine you know yeah it's not that you're like sunshines and rainbows you're just kind of go like you know all you know it, even though it's snowing we have snow chains exactly yeah i would say that but i would also you know i'm not like super woman in the sense i'm i have my biggest obstacle in the sense of like productivity is not being distracted by like noise of life and mostly that would be not social media in general but like like the emails that i have to keep up with mm-hmm. all the websites i have to update and then like a poster i'll make i'll spend hours and hours and eight all. or nine right and i'm just like why did i just do that mm-hmm for something somebody's going to scroll up and like, I do the past. same freaking thing. If I've, yeah. if I've got a show coming up, then I have this I have this weird backward engineering thing that I'll do. It's like, well, I should tell people about this show. I should tweet about it. Yeah. Well, if I tweet about it, where am I going to send them? Just yeah. tell them that I have a show? Well, then I might as well put that up on all the databases. You have that yeah. list of things you of do. The YouTube, MySpace, mm-hmm. Facebook, all that other stuff. And then you go like, well, what are they going to do? Just see the 
the text, they're going to blow right past that. I need to make a poster. And then you kind of like, it gets to the point where you're calling several different photographers because you're not satisfied <laughs> with the promo shots that you've done before or trying to download different versions of a Photoshop that you don't have on your computer yep. because it does something different. I know, it's always something. It's always something, but it's never music. It's never like, I know. put the guitar in your hand and play some yeah, songs. Yeah, actually write a good song because that always, that will... That will get you the furthest. Uh-huh. Yeah, Not a good poster. No. Yeah. Write a damn good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I actually try to remember that when I'm doing this. I'm like, now I don't think that that's not important, those things. But I know they're not that important. No. And I definitely wish I could do less of it. And I'm very, I love that kind of stuff. Like I love and hate just as equally. As much as I love, like, I would not say, like Facebook, I hate it. I hate Facebook. I wish I could get into the the database and destroy it. Yeah, I hate Facebook. Now, do you hate Facebook in the way that like uh, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving hate alcoholics, or do you hate Facebook in the way that uh, heroin addicts <laughs> hate heroin? Um. Oh. Yeah. Wow. I mean, um, I mean, because I, I hate Facebook too, but damned if I don't catch myself subconsciously typing in face. And then it autofills, and then I click enter. Okay. I I hate Facebook, like, I guess, like a heroin addict yeah. hates heroin. Yeah. But, but that's to say, like, I, I'm not the type that, like, gets on Facebook and, like, stalks out people. I mean, everyone does that a little bit, because yeah. it's so accessible and easy. Well, you find someone cute, and you go, like, mm, I oh, think yeah. I know. I think I can figure out their last name. Yeah. And, um, so... Of course, there's a little bit of that, but I'm not the type to spend hours doing like like that. But I am on it to promote all the time, which leads to the scrolling the news feed, which is the, like the never ending. It's I hate that so much. Mm-hmm. I hate that I do that. I hate that when I wake up in the morning, I do that. Yeah. I I hate it so much that I would I my Facebook would be so long gone mm-hmm. if I wasn't a musician, and that's what I hate. I yeah. hate that I can't get rid of my most powerful marketing tool that also takes so much away from my music but gives so much to it as well. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, I wish there was a button on Facebook. There might be. Maybe I should look into it. It's like, it doesn't let you do anything. I'm sure someone's come up with an app. I'm sure someone has come up with a go like, hey, do you want to update your status? These are yeah. just the messages that are coming to you. Someone has done it. Someone's- but I need someone to put a password on it too that I don't know. Yeah. Because I will. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to do anything in in a specific sense, like almost like a Facebook diet or like a, like an internet diet? Um, I have, and um, the one that I felt the best about was don't use your phone to wake up in the morning. Uh, and that was like the rollover in bed, turn mm-hmm. off the alarm, go through all your stuff because I'm like I'm so tired. This if I just lay here for. 15 minutes then I'll wake up by looking through my Instagram and my yeah. Twitter and my Facebook and then and then I just hate myself and yeah. I don't want to start my day like hating myself mm-hmm. I'm like what could you have accomplished in that what was supposed to be 15 minutes now 45 minutes mm-hmm. laying in your bed looking at stuff you don't care about yeah it's the most depressing thing and we're all we all do it mm-hmm. and I hate I like I said I just hate it but anyway so I just started waking up and instead of it was amazing i was getting i started doing like the jillian michaels workout oh yeah it's like this particular one is like 25 minutes or 30 minutes and i was like i worked out before i even would have got off my phone 
What a concept. Yeah. Didn't I'm that like, feel great? Oh my god. I was like I can I can re-sculpt my my abs to- in tone 30 your, days. Work on your abs instead of your apps. Ooh. Wow. See? Tear. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, well, that's uh, actually I stole that from Hoxley Workman. I can't copy mm. that entirely. So I, yeah, he might be listening out there. I'm sorry, Hoxley. So yeah, uh, that's that's I've done that before too as well. I, I had brief snippets of periods where I, I woke up. I was doing that in you know infomercial hound. I did that insanity uh, oh, yeah. workout. Did that. Woke up early in the morning. Did that. And there's nothing like. Shaking your body loose like an English nanny trying to quiet a baby, <laughs> getting down into your marrow just like. Yeah. But yeah, that and then you get done with that, and then you're going like, well, whatever I do today. I mean, I could sit like on a big pile of peanuts and throw them at kids that pass by, and that would still be a success because I've already worked out. Absolutely. Not that I'd ever do that because that sounds like a weird yeah, person from a that. Tom Waits video, like here, kids, <laughs> something like. That. It's the only time it would make sense. Yeah, it really would. Yeah, but that's. So have you continued to do that? Have you um, been able to like string a few days together like that? I would say, well, <clears throat> I was doing awesome for a long time up until um, I had a birthday in uh-huh. August, which let, was like a two-week vacation for me. And then I just kind of didn't do it anymore. I mean, as far as waking up without my phone, yes. Mm-hmm. But the workout thing is just... I can yeah. I go I I went on a pretty good streak last time it was like over a year, and it was great. But no, not not lately. Mm-hmm. I've been but I've been you know trying to be productive, and I don't try to sleep past. I know this might sound stupid, but like nine thirty mm-hmm. is like my time to get up or earlier. Yeah, but I work late. Like I'm I'm up late. Yeah. So I um, and I'm really like try to stay dedicated to that and and like make sure I'm like dressed. And had my breakfast and ready to go by 10. And if, I feel like a different human being. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because if I sleep till like 11 and then check my phone and then it's noon. oh, and You got to be working at 3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, then the day's done. And then you're hating yourself. And then you feel like yeah. you feel like you've been covered in grime. I yeah. understand that feeling too. Yeah. There's something about about setting yourself out to, to work. Which is hard because we're quote unquote entrepreneurs with what we're mm-hmm. doing. And no one's going to push us except for a few of our close personal friends and people that we work with right but nobody's gonna say like you know hey you really need to get on that not like yeah. the days of yore where it's like the record company wants you to be in Tokyo with three new songs to work with their Japanese <laughs> producer we're not gonna have that you know like you don't have like some you know very nebbish Jewish you know upper middle class mm-hmm. A&R guy that's trying to go like please I wanna send my kids to college where's the hits I you wish know? they were I, I do too I sometimes think you have to Andrew you wanna make enough noise on this podcast sorry ladies and gentlemen, if you think that Santa Claus has been visiting us multiple times with his bag of treats, but no, that's this is just Banjo, the studio dog who will not leave Jesse alone because she will not stop tant dancing. Yeah, <laughs> dogs so, love me. Dogs do love you, especially our, my dog. I mean, look at that sweet face. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll put a picture of him up on the <laughs> podcast so you have an idea. Banjo, we're trying to talk about art and life and that sort of thing, not about dogs. Hmm. Sweet face. He's got a sweet face. He was almost named Chicken. I was going to name him Chicken. I like both of those Chicken names. the dog would have been hilarious, but then again, it would have been hilarious, and he would have sensed the mocking tone, mm. whatever he was called. Yeah, you don't want to give him that energy. Yeah, you want to, so we gave him Banjo because he, he seems like a little dog that would hang out with an old uh, prospector. 
Yeah. And then yeah. he'd be like, come here, Banjo, the engines are coming. And then he'd <laughs> hop in his sack and they'd ride off on a horse to San Francisco in safety. Yeah. But I digress. Back to back to working and getting stuff done and that sort of thing. As far as like pushing and then and finally making records mm-hmm. and realizing that this was a place uh, where you had creative home, where you were able to to achieve some success, but then also be able to express yourself. Um, what was the what were the highlight? What was the moment where you actually felt like, hey, this is this could possibly be the moment that be be the expression that I choose for myself, and also I might be able to make some money at this, and mm-hmm. you know, be able to feed my face and yeah. clothe my body. Um, <clears throat> again, I was then been very fortunate in in the sense of how things have kind of developed for me, and. Um, after working with Jim and that was like, that wasn't a thing where you get discovered and then someone comes and makes a record and like, it was, it was so hard. Mm -hmm. I had to basically learn how to write and play guitar because someone heard my voice and thought I had an interesting voice and was like, thought I had this cool vibe. He was like, yeah, like whatever he Mm -hmm. liked, he liked what was going on, but he knew I was not ready and I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, worked so hard and, you know, on my own, didn't know what I was doing to the point where I'm like, how to write a song, Google. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't know. So I'm like, really like, and I, I would say there's always been a very artistic side in me where I like, I love like being poetic and writing beautiful words and, and. I'm at, and I've always imagined my the best life is the one you would like where you feel like you're in an indie film or, mm-hmm. or something where the colors are a bit faded and everything seems beautiful. Yeah, and like, it seems like it's dawn all the time. All the time. Yeah. And like I love that. And when I can get in that headspace, I thrive. Mm-hmm. So anyway, though I wasn't pursuing music and like knew how to write a song, I always had that part of me that just really could tune into those these feelings and emotions and that helped me a lot when I was learning how to do all of this. And so I keep sending Jim these songs and eventually, I mean, he was annoyed by me cause he was like, maybe cause he wasn't completely set on me. He just wanted to tell me like, maybe we'll record a demo, get better. And then we'll talk in a few months, mm-hmm. whatever. And I, I just took that window and was like, Oh no, we're doing this. Busting it wide open. Yeah. yeah. And like, and we still talk about it. He's like, yeah, like, at one point, I, I wanted to tell her, like, no. Mm-hmm. He's like, but dang it if she just didn't keep emailing me. And he was like, I'm really busy. I'm really busy. I remember the emails. I should pull them up for because I haven't. And I'm really busy. I'm really... And then eventually, he was like, okay, tomorrow or whenever it was next week. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I still have pictures on my computer from that first day. I was going to go to the real studio. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh, with my little bag of songs. And I was like, oh boy, this is really happening. I had never, I put on headphones for the first time and like went into the, the vocal booth and I was like, I'm Mariah Carey. <laughs> really doing it, eh? Yeah. Hair? Yeah. I just like the old music videos where they'd be in the studio and like one hand on the, yeah. On the, the, yeah, the other finger pointing up and down in the air, I gestulating was, wildly. Yeah, yeah. I was that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Um, you asked me a question that I'm, I'm not answering. I, so I did my demo and we scrapped it the first one because it was very poppy and I was like, I'm don't want to do pop. I'm too, whatever. Yeah, I'm that. indie man. Yeah. Don't, don't you know the movie that's going on in my head yes. right now? 
But I always have written pop songs, but I want them to sound indie, and mm-hmm. I still do that. Like, right now my lyrics are getting more, they're better, they're yeah. more mature. But at first I was like, I have stuff to say, mm-hmm. but all I knew was pop, like, um, format. Yeah. yeah. So I was writing these, like, songs that were, like, to me, like... Oh, it's really got, this has got the juice in it, yes, man. Yeah. Yes, but then they would just follow this pop, which I think is why I've done well, because my songs are like catchy or whatever people say about them. But anyway, answer your question. So, <clears throat> did a demo, scrapped it because it was too poppy, made another one, and um, we didn't print it or anything, but we had these songs, and Jim Roach, my producer at the time, had um, made some connections earlier in his life because he was signed to a... Um, a record deal called uh, with a record label called Machine Shop, which was Lincoln Park's old label. Oh yeah. <clears throat> Very briefly, not a lot of success, but definitely enough that he met some people. And anyway, so um, he sent my my songs to this guy Rob McDermott, who at the who managed Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. big manager, and he loved them. And we started working together. And I would say that wasn't the moment, but shortly after when he was like, we're going to go to New York and meet with like every label. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, nice knowing you old life. Uh-huh. And I just thought, I was like, I thought that that was it for me. And it wasn't it, at all. Yeah. And I didn't even want to work with him after a while because I I'm a development artist and he... He doesn't want to spend time on that. And no. I need that because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. I understand that. And so we worked together only briefly, but I flew to New York for music be- music meetings and I didn't pay for it. Yeah. And that was the moment I was like, this is amazing. And I went into the, the labels, walked right in, and I didn't realize at the time what an opportunity that was because yeah. I was hadn't been pursuing music for even a year didn't have anything released and i was like i I went into like i met daniel glass Uh face to face twice wow of glass note records of glass note records i mean the probably the best label yeah one of them and here i am like shooting the shit and i was like (coughs) at the time i didn't even know who daniel glass was i don't know anything yeah um but here i am talking to him and Walking right into these people's offices, and I didn't. I just assumed that this was going to be easy. Yeah. Because this happened, and then I'm going to get signed. They invited me in. Yeah. Next week, they're all going to call. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a bidding war over, over me. Uh-huh. I'm going to re- release a record and then go on tour, and then I'm going to be rich. Uh-huh. Who knows? Maybe buy a house in New York and L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And then yeah. Tyra. Yeah, and have it. And Tyra said, like, except, you know what, Tyra? I did it right. I followed your <laughs> I followed your two point plan. Look at me now. Look at me now. I got a, I got an agent and I got a manager and now I'm going to New York. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be a star. I'm gonna dig a tunnel between my two houses with a little rest stop somewhere in Des Moines. Yeah, that's, gotta, I, have, gotta stop in Des Moines. Gotta stop in Des Moines. You know, at least if you have a tunnel that's uh, three thousand five hundred miles yes. long between your houses in New York yes. and Los Angeles. So. That's very interesting that you had that experience. I had a similar one, but I reacted very differently. 
I did. I had, uh, for a while there, I thought that maybe a meeting with me meant you were about to get fired as an A&R uh, person. Because, <laughs> That's no way to think. Oh, well, I mean, I, the evidence to the contrary mm-hmm. was so strong. Um, of course. I, would, I met with uh, Warner Brothers and I met with, uh, with Jive and a few other record labels, but inevitably there would be this kind of, and I'm sure that you had you had the same reaction from them. Like once they, it's not that they go like you know, oh, you know, hey, keep doing what you're doing. You know, like, you know, oh, it's not for us, but yeah. so have it. But you know, they they see something. They still like what you have, but there's nothing that says like you know, she will make vagina she will make vagina money for us like crazy, or like yeah. he's gonna be like the cutest boy toy ever. Yeah. You know? women will want him, and men of a certain proclivity will also want him. Yes. You know, there wasn't there wasn't that immediate thing where you have a song that goes like, baby, baby, wanna take you on mm-hmm. the hood of my car, all mm-hmm. the time. To- Tony Gatan style. None of that kind of vibe. Take You're like, I mean, yeah, the, there's, there's a, yeah, let's see, you can have that, release <laughs> that into the wild, release that song lyric into the wild, see if it doesn't come back a mm. mutated spawn of hell. <laughs> but, um, they want, people want on a moving train, you know, mm-hmm. they, no matter how plush the seats are, no matter how beautiful the machine is, they want on a moving train. Mm-hmm. And half the time it feels like, the artists, managers, and agents, and, and record labels, and that sort of a thing, they come and get you right before you yeah. can't even conceive of needing them anymore. Oh, you know? yeah. As you, you, if you're playing the troubadour, they want to come and tell you that they can help you sell out the El Rey. Yeah. You know, that sort of a thing. When in all honesty, like, you know, they don't come to you and go like, it's nothing like they, you're, they're passing by you in the street and you're busking and they go like, yeah. you really got something, kid. They don't, Sad. they don't have the, well, they don't have the patience for it because they're, they themselves have this hunted look in their eye. Right. If you've ever seen a, a salesman come to your door and you know that he's got to get at least five houses on this block or he's going to go home and his wife and him are going to have to eat top ramen while they think about whether or not they can live in their car. Mm-hmm. That whole vibe, uh, is what every A and R guy has looked like for the past yeah. five years. They have this this look on their face like they've just gotten out of a, the Legionnaire War, and mm-hmm. you know they barely escaped with their lives. And so they're just looking for something. I had this weird like waking vision. I might have had too much vitamin B, or along with coffee, you know, where your mm-hmm. synapses start to fire and you're getting deja vu all the time, and yeah. your heart palpitations are going like, yeah. "Wow, vitamins!" Yeah. But I had this moment. I was at the hotel cafe, and it was one of these very ingenue girls who like really, really too good looking for. For her own good like mm-hmm. she's never really had to crack a book um, right of course she just had to show her crack that's what he did hey there yo. hey yo but um but she was sitting there and like there was just so many slimy you know 40s and 50s plus uh, you know like old died in the wool A&R guys there all kind of talking to each other all talking about like how they were going to get out of their second divorce mm-hmm. you know without that you know losing the house but as they were doing that, I just had this vision of this girl up on stage who was, by the way, terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, having money fall out of her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like hitting the jackpot. Like someone yeah. someone cranked her arm down like the arm of a, oh, yeah. of a jackpot machine. And just, and just you know, coins and like paper floating mm-hmm. out. You know, savings bonds, all that stuff. Yeah. And everybody just sort of going around and dipping a little oh, yeah. bucket underneath, grabbing a little bit and going. And her just smiling the entire time. That's the sense that you get when you go to mm-hmm. those, those meetings. And you just don't understand understand whether or not you can actually exist and you can protect your art in that but then also there's the delineation of being able to go like okay how much of my soul do i open what do i give them i can give them this but then not care what they do with it right is the difficult thing yeah have you been able to have you been able to figure out where the dividing line is of that or have you just kind of said listen i'm going to i'm going to push as much as i can push until i don't feel comfortable anymore is there any moment where you've felt that i 
I've always had kind of the same as far as what I deliver in the sense of a musician or an artist. It's always just been, I don't think too much about it other than make, write a good song. Mm-hmm. The rest will, the rest will fall. And I've always believed in that. And I always think, don't try to form, don't try to mold to anything. Don't try to produce a song in a certain way. A good song will get you where you need to go. Period. And like, I know there's great songs out there that are just existing online and no one cares. And like, because I've heard them. I mean, I've heard songs of our friends and I'm like, holy crap, this is the best song. But I still think, well, it is great, but there's there's something that's missing. Mm -hmm. And I don't I can't pinpoint it because I love the song. But there's those those songs that people can't, you know, not talk about, not share. Those yeah. those are the songs that make an unknown artist or an indie artist or somebody that's not signed to a label. That's how they get them. When I go and play in their office or talk to them, I have had good, great experiences, but also similar to what you're talking about. Like, they're very cordial and mm-hmm. like, hey. And then if you follow up with them, they'll give you the, the speech of, I like it. I just can't get the other guys on board. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, well, I've heard that enough. And what does that mean? Like, what do you, you like it? You're the A and R guy. Figure it out. Yeah. Because I think what you're really telling me is no. Yeah. Not you like it. Of course, you like it enough. Mm-hmm. But it's like you've already had me in. They're, yeah, they're, you like yeah. it enough, but. To, t- to tell me you can't get the other guys, and I've heard this from booking agents, I've heard this from everyone, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, why don't you just try? Mm-hmm. Like, what happened to that? What happened to that idea? Give it the old college try trying to get them. Yeah. Now, the, that happens to you. That happens to most every artist. Every mm-hmm. artist worth their salt gets quite a bit of rejection on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. What does that do to you? In your immediate reaction, this is, this is maybe not even practical music question but more like a life question when you get that that conversation that kind of hem and hob just kind of going like look i'll be your champion mm-hmm. but you know i can't get i can't get greg over in marketing to get behind you yeah. he's just guy's a total prick and of course he's getting divorced because he's a prick but you know he won't even like my artists yeah. you're like the fourth person that yeah. i brought to him and he just doesn't like it <laughs> i don't understand it i don't know why he's talking like that but um, i think it's great to have him talk like yeah, that yeah i like I so like so like direction we'll, we'll have we'll have a little uh, a little a play going like so yeah, Jesse. I mean, I really dug what you did. I thought it was great. Thanks. Yeah, but you know, I just can't get I can't get the guys over in uh, in international to get behind you. So I mean, it's just not right now. I'm not saying no, but I'm saying no right now. Click. Now, what do you do? What do you do with the rest of your day? I mean, obviously, you know. You Here's, and this is the truth. And it might be like, I'm not too precious with my art. I love, I have to do it my way, but in the sense of like, whatever, they just don't get it. I'll say, get better. Mm -hmm. I like, I was like, these guys, I have to show them. And I hate that. I hate that. Like, you know, I have gotten to the point where I'm like, like, fuck the A&R. I'm sick of them telling me they're going to come to my shows and they don't. I'm sick of putting 14 people on my guest list and not one shows up. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of like practicing with my band for three nights so we nail this part 
for the A&R guy that's probably coming, that's confirmed twice via email and once on the phone, and then no one shows up, and I'm super disappointed because I put money and time and effort, and you get to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm not doing it for these assholes. I'm doing it for me, and if I write a good enough song, they will hear it, and then they'll come around, and then I'll do what I want with it. But like the initial reaction of that phone call is get better. Not because I need to prove it to them, but because I need them to want me. Yeah. Because it goes back to the competitive thing. I have to have, I have to be the best. I have to have all of these people wanting me. Not that I'm going to do anything with it. Mm -hmm. I want to, I definitely am like, I want to live, have my career go the way I envision it. And I think there's like a really sweet spot in a a music career that Mm -hmm. is not too big and not too small that I a dream about what's and, that look like uh brandy you can give carlisle. Example. brandy carlisle she has the perfect music career yeah or you know there's a lot of people in that she she is able to you i've mentioned her name to so many people no one knows who the hell she is but so many people know who she is and the people that know who she is are like music lovers and it's not because she's not on radio she's not even on tv every now and again but like She's just under the radar and still selling out everywhere she goes. Mm-hmm. Not small places. Yeah. Theaters. Theaters. And selling out. Her whole tour sells out every time. She tours, I would say, probably six to eight months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Sells out. She plays with symphonies. She plays solo. She plays, like, with a band. She has, like... She plays like cruises. She plays small shows. She does everything like cool, like mm-hmm. her way. And no one knows. I I'll be like, have you heard of Brandi Carlile? She's kind of like this. I I really like her music, and I I get compared to her in as far as content and voice and and things. I get compared to her sometimes, and um, and I've, I'm I'm like think she's amazing. So I'm like follow her pretty Mm -hmm. closely and i'm like well she does this and it's crazy she doesn't do social media she doesn't like i mean she's on there but she's not her yeah and they don't act they don't try to make it seem like her Mm -hmm. they they refer to her in third person yeah they're not like hey this is brandy they're like brandy will be at the so-and-so and And Mm -hmm. i'm like god she just doesn't even have to get on this thing Mm -hmm. she just tours and plays and writes like dope songs and like is a good old country girl. Mm-hmm. She, I don't even know if she's a country girl. But yeah, I'm sure that she's... She's a vibe. She's got a vibe of that. And I'm just like, damn. And that's the perfect career. Mm-hmm. But there is something else to that, though. I mean, you, you know, I I have, you know, those people in my mind that I hold, you know, as a, per, as a perfect chrysalis of what I should do. But there's an aspect to you that is not encompassed by a Brandy Carlisle-like mm-hmm. persona. I I know people who know Brandy and you know they she's a great girl and that sort of thing but she certainly certainly isn't as funny as you do. Right. There's a there's certain gifts that have been given to you that are one of those things that will you know either you will make the the two people that you meet in your day like over at the grocery store or the gas station when you're off sequestered away making your songs in the middle of some green wooded cabin that's mm-hmm. been built by I don't know, Sting's personal therapist or something like that, who is also an architect. This is a very bizarre uh-huh. uh, alternate no, scenario. Go, but, go for it. But you're off in the woods doing that, and then I think, but there's this there's this ham in you that needs yeah. to get out, and I, it's the duality of that. I, as much as I am that 
person. I think, I think if I was, um, I think you're right. I think what I want and what might actually happen could be different Mm -hmm. because I could see myself being like, well, now I can finally be in that, like be an actress too. Mm -hmm. And then you're just, once you're an actress, a successful somewhat, Mm -hmm. you're, you're not unknown anymore. Musicians can sometimes have these big followings and not be, but acting, acting, you're just known or unknown. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's whatever, um, But I could, in the, in the sense of being the best. But I don't know. As much as I'm that person who loves, like, the attention and, like, whatever, I really love the idea of, like, sitting on a back porch with, like, a cool breeze and no noise and, like, someone I love and, and not having to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really love that idea. Like, walking down the street... And like grabbing a coffee and just like, I don't know, riding my bicycle. Like these things that I just, when I feel the most alive, the whole indie feeling like I'm in an indie film. Uh-huh. And it's silly, but those things that we paint as beautiful in, in our life, I I love that. I love nature. I love silence. I love beautiful things. And you lose a lot of that when you reach a certain point. And I just want to hit that sweet spot where... You can have everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I'm going to get there. Yeah. I know it. I am I just can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah? Yeah, I know I'll get there. Uh-huh. Of course. Of course. I, I believe that you will. I think that yeah, I've got every faith in you to do that. I will. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. So, uh, real quick while we wrap this up, because we're approaching an hour, what the what's coming next? What are you doing next? I am finishing my record, which... Uh-huh. I'm excited about. And gosh, I hope that comes out by the end of the year and it probably won't. Maybe January. We'll see. Um, doing a little tour in October. Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going to Charlotte. I'm going to Cincinnati, Chicago, Indianapolis. And if the guy emails me back, I might be playing Nashville too. We'll see. And it's just like a little run and, uh, I was going to do it solo, and then I'm like, you know what? Let's, I'm going to bring some friends right. and blow all the money I would have made on it. Yeah. And then, anyway, so I was, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm touring, and I'm putting on a record, and I'm trying to come up with like the perfect way to release this. And then just thinking about how clueless everyone, like all my fans, like, like gosh, if they just knew, uh-huh. they just knew how much work went into this. Uh-huh. The days I would spend putting a picture on the cover, like these little things, the the year year plus it took to write these songs, the whatever, they just knew they'd maybe buy it, mm-hmm. then they wouldn't. But the the more I'm like obsessing over these minute details and releasing a record, the more I'm thinking how quickly it goes ignored as well. Yeah. So it's frustrating. Anyway, so I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of that world right now, just um, getting everything ready for the big push and the release and touring. And then hopefully getting... I'm completely unrepresented right now, so I need to find... Build up the team again. You need, you need to do the Tyra thing, man. I need to you, get. I need you, to call Tyra. You should call Tyra. I should call Tyra. I think you should have Tyra as your representative, Gosh. and she refers you to you, to you in the third person all the time, even to you. 
I feel like Ty would be the person she might be down for that. Yeah. She'd be like, Jesse, does Jesse want a water? Yeah. Does she want a water that's chilled or does she want a room temperature water? And then she would teach me how to pose on yeah. the mic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And she'd be like, and throw your hair back. And throw your hair back. And he's like, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a beanie and my hair is yeah. in my face. She's like, girl, did I say throw your hair back? You throw your hair back. And then she throws a phone at you. Wait, no, that's Naomi Campbell. <laughs> Never mind. It's the other beautiful woman that throws. Yes, things. yes. They're both so saucy. They're, they're very saucy. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to try to get a booking agent. Mm-hmm. Maybe a manager. Maybe send it to some labels. Mm-hmm. I'll be your booking one. agent. I'm, I'm, I'm Ollie Featherstone. Remember when I did that for the yeah, tour that we did? Ollie. Ollie Featherstone. Oh, yeah. Jessie's really excited. The only problem is she doesn't want anybody looking at her in the face, which is difficult because uh, she wants to make direct eye contact with your nose. <laughs> It's very difficult. So do not look at her. She can look at you. Yeah. Understood? Yeah. She believes the eyes are the windows to the soul, but they need a little bit of covering. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I can I can do that. I can make insane no, demands. Do. Yeah. I'm 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 getting good at booking too. You are? Yeah. What's it, the secret of that? What are you what are you finding is the, the thing to get people to get back to you? Um I'm finding find somebody that's played there before and int- have them introduce you on an email. Uh-huh. It's the quickest, easiest thing. Yeah, and, and like another funny concept of this booking world, people don't realize you book your own shows and then it takes a lot of time and effort. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, hey, how's the 17th sound? Got a hole in there, like, sounds good. See you yeah. then. Not yeah, that. these people that are like, please play my city. Right. I'm like, I want to. Yeah. I really, it's all I want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course I want to come play I get your like, city. When, I get, when are you coming to Sweden? It's like, yeah. w- when more than you and your four other friends know who I am. Yeah. yeah. It's such, it's, it's so interesting how detached or how clueless, and I say that with respect, clueless, I'd say it's probably the most frustrating thing. Like people think I have money mm-hmm. and have success and have I can tour mm-hmm. and people want my autograph and I get recognized in the street. And I have this like thing that people, th- not here in mm-hmm. LA, people know. Yeah. But outside of this, it's this such a they don't distorted realize that you, you reality. You walk around 40 hours a week with a box cutter in your hand. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. People don't realize well, many times they don't, when they write me and they don't realize that I've got my hands, you know, arm deep in grenadine looking at like drunk assholes from Calabasas who say I, this my girlfriend wants to play this place how do I talk to the owner yeah yeah. yeah. going to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning not because you're drunk but because that's when you get home from work yeah you're tra- when you're a musician you're trapped in to and like you know 10% of musicians might succeed it's yeah. awful but when you are a musician you're trapped into not pursuing anything else because you can't you can't get a job a normal job yeah so you're you're trapped living this broke, struggling, like, very fun. Mm-hmm. But damn if there's not a moment of every day where I'm like, just be nice to go to anywhere I want to go for dinner tonight. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it's like everything goes back to being broke. And, yeah. and like, it's like, damn. Like, I'm living, I'm literally living out of my car right now again <laughs> yeah well that that's that's the bed bugs you can't blame the life i know yeah but, but still yeah i have bed bugs i lived in a low-income crap hole uh-huh and like yeah sure bed bugs are everywhere but like mm-hmm. the they didn't treat it properly when mm-hmm. they showed up and then i it's such a 
Ugh. I know, I know. Listen, it's it's that frustration that can hamstring people. That can say, you know, listen, I, you know, hell, I've got a 1996 Subaru out there. It's so cute. It's, it's adorable, but. Uh, I had a moment, I had a little bit of a windfall from like, you know, I did a soundtrack and then had a couple other things come through. So then it was like actual real mm-hmm. money, which real money to me was like a fortune. But then to other people was like going like, yeah, they're sh- they're rainy day fund. But for me, I was like going, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, that confidence when you go to the grocery store and it's like, and I think I will have some pine nuts because they sound delicious. Swipe. Yeah. Not even going to look at, not even going to worry about that card not going through. Mm-hmm. So you you have those moments, and I think a lot of people get hamstrung by that, and they that poverty actually constricts their creative muscle. I saw a study; I don't know what university did it, but they said that being poor can lower your IQ points by thirteen points wow. just from the stress that that poverty puts on it. You know, when you're I trying be, to multitask, yeah. So that's why you get a lot of like. A lot of reasonably intelligent people. You can you can have some adjunct professors who you know also teach in the inner city and are doing it for the love of the kids who forget to pay their car payment and have it repossessed, not because you know they're they're gadabouts, you know. But hey, you know what? Maybe that's why you're forgetting stuff all the time is because in the back of your mind you've got like a mosquito uh, bug killer of humming just going like you know mm, it's yeah. almost the fifteenth when are you going to yeah. pay off that credit card? Blah, yeah, know. that could be it. But I will say this, uh, of all the people that I have met who have been in a similar situation, and I have met many in my many years in Los Angeles, you're one of the most indomitable spirits, and you're actually a real inspiration to me. And I always think, whenever I get in those particular modes, I think back on that very moment being in the middle of Stanford's Take Five Lunchroom, whatever it was called, while 70 people watched the Academy Awards live on television, completely ignoring us, and you were out there with your business cards mm-hmm. handing them out to cute little rugby players mm-hmm. yeah i have a i know we're ramping this up but i have a story about that hmm. which is why you know reaffirming why these things are important and i'll keep it short i ran into somebody in la that was at that table mm-hmm. of rugby players yeah and she she was like such a fan it's kept up with my music Almost was a little bit like, um, I don't want to say starstruck because that makes me feel like pretentious or something, but she was stoked to meet me yeah. and like remembered me from that day at Stanford. And I was like, wow, had I not done that, maybe nothing would have, but like that impact I had on one person mm-hmm. who I just randomly actually happened to be at the same table with at a bar. Yeah. Friends of a friend happened to be the same girl that I met in Stanford three years ago. Small world. Who who got my business card? Yeah, that's insane. It's really insane. Yeah. And she, but she was like, yeah, I remember. And that song say you played say hello. And like the way she was talking about it was like, wow, it it, it actually did serve its purpose yeah. to go and play to those two people that were paying attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, that's crazy. And thank you so much for saying that because. Um, it's not easy to get up and do that. It's not easy to get up and, and whore yourself out. I'll tell you this. It's impossible for me. I'm the kind of guy that, um, I've said it before, I couldn't sell, uh, I couldn't sell water 
to a man on fire. I just like you know, I'd have that moment where he's going like, Well, I mean I guess if you want it. I mean, you're all engulfed in flames and stuff. You know what? I'm just gonna go. Yeah. 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 That's 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 me. But I'm gradually coming around to that. I'm 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 fucking fine. Hey, going to therapy, doing the whole thing. It's great. Good of it's you. Great. Yeah, you know. Hey. Finally, uh um it you know what it's like? It's 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 as though remember in the shining, uh where you kind of go crazy and you're all by yourself and you're only living in this small quadrant of this huge hotel because it's winter and you don't want to have to heat the whole place. Mm-hmm. It's finally feeling like, you know, hey, everything's thawing out. I didn't kill my family with an axe. And, uh, you know, my family being, you know, the the inner me, the id yes. of me. And now I'm finally, you know, spreading my wings like a Commodore, you know, Good. or an, another bird with a large wingspan that I can't think of. The Commodore well, was the one that Commodore. Needed. Yeah. Commodore. Do we get an album name? Yeah, Commodore. Or band name. I think it was the Commodores. That's uh, <laughs> I think they actually think was it? album name then. Yeah, album name then. We well, yeah. can't just take it now. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of the Commodores. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, I told you I don't remember things. I understand. You're you're, you're taxed from all that poverty. I'm gonna GPS it right out of here when mm-hmm. we have to go. <laughs> I can't. I can't do anything on my own. You need a Sherpa behind you going like, no, turn left at the rock that looks like a bear, and right where the bear looks like a rock. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that'd be a dream. Yeah, a little Sherpa in the back. Yeah. Cool. Well, hey, thank you for doing this. Thank you, Jake. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Keep it up. I'm proud of you. Keep doing all these things. I think it's beautiful. Well, I think that you're beautiful, and I can't wait to hear your new stuff. I will send it. I will send it your way. Do it. So there she is, the indomitable spirit of Jesse Thomas, the train that keeps on moving that is an inspiration for me and all the other mopers that don't have the guts that she does to get up every morning and keep doing it. Man, that felt like a really good conversation, and I want to have more of those. So continue to send me suggestions that you want on the show. Continue to send me emails. Check in with Facebook, check in with uh, Twitter, the whole thing. Go to sharkbrainpodcast.com, join the mailing list. Click on the donate button if you feel so led to help support the show. Go to jakenewton.com and you can find my personal appearances at the Mall of America that I'm going to be joining six days a week. That last entire bit is a lie. You can still go to jakenewton.com, but I'm not going to be at the Mall of America anytime soon that I can see in the foreseeable future. I might have had a little too much coffee today, and it's 2.45 in the morning on the day that Shark Brain is due. We'll see if I'm able to sleep tonight. I have grave doubts about it. I want to thank you all for listening to the show. Continue to be inspirations to me as I try to be inspirations to you. And on that heartwarming note, I'm going to leave you with this. At least it's not the zombie apocalypse.